0: The Fanfic Writer's Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction. with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Jo, aka PubliSand, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Alani, is not here today, but I had the privilege of chatting with our lovely guest and fantastic writer, Alla Baguette. If you're not familiar with her work, She's the author of two amazing long fics in the Harry Potter fandom, as well as a character-centric series called Left Behind. Alaba is a bit of my fanfiction twin at the moment, in the way that we are currently writing very similar fics in the same H.V. niche, Castles for me and Knowing Where to Look for her. Our fics both cover a similar time period, similar themes, and seem to have similar audiences. It was a lot of fun to get to talk to her about how different, but also how comparable, our experiences and our writing processes can be. In this episode, we talk about our shared interests in fanfic, about Alabaget's love for OCs, as well as her determination to break the fanfic stigma in real life. As you might have read on Tumblr, I also wanted to ask her about her views on constructive criticism, but we had already chatted for much too long, so it will be a good reason for her to come back sometime in the future. I had so much fun recording this episode and I hope that you will enjoy our conversation. However, just to let you know, I had a bit of a cold when we recorded. I was hoping you wouldn't be able to hear it, but I think you totally can. So please forgive me for how sniffly and out of breath I sound in this recording. For now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. And welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. This is Jo. I hope you're all doing well. As you've probably heard in the introduction, Lani is not here today, but I'm joined by another fantastic guest who I'm very excited to be talking to tonight. You might know her under the alias Ala Baguette online as the author of multiple long fics and one shots in the HP fandom, including her character centric series Left Behind, as well as the incredibly successful post-war canon compliance. And fic, knowing where to look, as most of you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of her work. So I'm very, very delighted uh, to have her on the pod. Alabagets, how are you doing? Do you want to go ahead and say a few words to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so Flattered and honestly a little bit terrified And, and um, a little Horrified at the idea that you just called me Successful. Um, gosh, I feel like I have this story that's just completely Different from everybody else's story in terms Of how I fell into fanfiction I definitely did not have that like, oh, I'm a 13-year-old kid exploring the internet story that everyone seems to have and posting things that were absolutely horrible. I'm almost jealous that, that I didn't get to do that part. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, a lot of that comes from the fact that I'm just older. I think I was kind of dancing around the fan fiction world in a lot of ways for a really long time, but I'm about to turn ooh, 36 next week. Um, well, I'm old enough to not know how old I am, apparently. Um, but what that really meant was the internet was not really accessible in the way that it was, it, you know, that it is today. And, and so like my experience was just kind of different, you know, obviously we didn't walk around with little, little, uh, you know, computers in our pockets at all times and be able to read thick. And, um, you know, maybe you had one computer that a family of five shared and we all had to kind of, um, bully each other for internet time and it was dial up and it was slow and, You're having your dad scream at you to get off the the internet Uh, so you can make a phone call. Like, it just wasn't (laughs) the same time. So I really, you know, just wasn't online, honestly, through my youth, and I think that also just kind of extended even into my adulthood, where I just didn't have that culture that maybe someone even just a couple of years younger than me would have had.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny how much a few years of difference can make, and like how much of a difference it can make. Because so I'm 29, and I'm still old enough that I knew the dial-up and stuff, but I feel like the things had changed ever so slightly. During like in that gap that made it so much easier for someone who was just a few years older to get online versus someone who, you know, was born just a few years before.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even just a couple of years just made your experience of the internet and whether it formed habits in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. in a completely different way. Um, so, even when the internet did become more accessible, you know, I wasn't really online, to be honest. Like, I, I remember my freshman year of university and everyone was talking about this cool new website where you can connect with people and share photos and share things. And I was like, well, that sounds boring and stupid. I'm not going to do that. And, and you know, that little <laughs> website was Facebook. Um, so, <laughs> I, I just wasn't ever really online for, for most of my youth. Um, I was very interested in writing and reading and, and in my own way, fandom, but it was a very solid military activity it was not something i ever thought to Mm. share with anybody i definitely wrote and and um you know some of that was original and some of it was fan fiction and you know i had a little keepsakes box where i was looking at some of the things that i wrote as a child i had like a little book that i wrote and illustrated and stapled together all by myself when i was probably like six years old it was a story of my teddy bear Um, And another one that was, you know, uh, when I was probably about 10, it's really a surprisingly poignant commentary on immigration that I think certain um, politicians today would benefit from reading. Um, But I, I think, you know, even when I read, I was reading, I'd have little stories in my head about, you know, those characters. I really like characterization, so I'd like doing this idea where I'd be reading and just thinking about, about um, you know, okay, well, what, what would be interesting would be putting them in this scenario and seeing how they respond to that. So I think that was kind of, I was dancing around fanfiction without knowing the word fan fiction and not being involved in it. I wrote stories that, you know, clearly were ripped off of Tolkien. And so I think that yeah. was totally fan fiction. I just didn't know that. <laughs> um, but it was... You know, clearly Middle Earth, though I didn't call it Middle Earth, and clearly it was Legolas, but I didn't call him Legolas. Um, so it was definitely something that was there through clearly all of my childhood,
0: right? And how did you start? Then, if you didn't have that kind of experience that a lot of people have going into it as a teenager, how did you kind of did you kind of start as an adult
1: then? Or yeah, so I mean, I was in university, and mm-hmm. and the catalyst that actually got me to finally sit down and write about about you know, writing fan fiction and, and to actually post it, which is the real big thing um, was really the last Harry Potter book coming out, and oh, I've been yeah. really resistant to fan fiction I knew what it was, I'd heard about it but already there was kind of that that stigma that we all know, you know, that it's written by 13-year-old girls and it's mm. poorly written. And, and so it wasn't something that I thought that was ever going to appeal to me. But, but the last Harry Potter book coming out was kind of devastating in a way. I was very much the mm. Harry Potter generation. I was always, you know, I was the same age as Harry as they were coming out for most of the time. And I was always looking forward to the next Harry Potter book. And all of a sudden, there's just nothing to look forward to from from, there's not another book to wait for and and that was like kind of just losing a friend mm. and I think there was also a part of me that was a little unsatisfied not that I think she ended it in the wrong place or anything but that that we jumped forward in the epilogue and all of a sudden all is well and that just kind of bugged me that like wait but like Harry just went through all of this trauma mm. and we're not going to touch on that like we're not going to touch the, all the healing and recovery <coughs> that must have happened in all of the words in society and so I think That was kind of my catalyst that made me say you know what, I'm going to write my own book eight. And, you know, I sat down and I wrote the first chapter and I posted online and and that was um, in 2009. And that actually became uh, the first chapter of Knowing Where to Look. Uh, It was was actually the very, very beginning was way back then.
0: (laughs) That's such a good story. Yeah. And I think like we're going to kind of talk about this more, but obviously the way I, I found you was also through Harry Potter fan fiction and specifically Knowing Where to Look, which is interesting. Because I feel like we're writing the same sort of, we're writing about Mm -hmm. the same time period. Um, and we're in the same niche I think you know in Harry Potter because it's such a big fandom you've got different niches of different people Mm -hmm. like doing different things so you've got your Marauders people and you've got your Next Gen people Mm -hmm. and I feel we're doing the canon compliant post-war kind of thing and we're doing it in a very in a somewhat similar way which is that we're seeing the world at large rather than a particular couple or a particular person or you know a mm-hmm. particular plot it's more about like the world out loud and how do you rebuild that world and how do you rebuild the people who are in that world and I think that's absolutely fascinating but I did also notice that you also write um, you also have an AU going on which is a long fake and a series of character centric fics and I was kind of wondering what's the difference between all these how do you see all of them how do they fit within you know the world of like everything that's in your head and how do you kind of approach that relationship between those different things which are all very different to be honest i probably didn't approach it very well um because i honestly
1: the difference between my au fic and my canon of compliance stories I, are mostly, um, just time in my life and when they were written. And, mm. um, nowadays I really write only canon compliant. Um, that might cause some confusion because I'm actively posting A Lonely Path on AO3, but that story is actually very, very old and just bringing it over from fanfiction.net. So I, mm. that's been long completed. And I wrote that in a different part of my life. I was younger. Um, and, and, um, to be honest, it, it, when I look back at it and know that I was about 20 when I wrote it, like it's, it's, it's pretty good, but it's not what I would write now. Mm. Um, so it's just a different time in my life. I say I didn't handle it well because I was writing a lonely path and knowing where to look at the same time. Um, starting in 2009 was the first time I posted ever, and I was writing them both. And if I can give one piece of advice, don't write two long picks at the same time. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. One of them always ends up neglected, and in this case, it was knowing where to look. And the main reason it was neglected is it's, it was not as popular. It was not like the a lonely path kind of took off a little bit more. It, it was moderately popular on fanfiction.net mm-hmm. it during its day. Um, and so I was getting a lot of engagement and a lot of reviews and, and you know, um, getting more excited with every review that I get. And I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that I, I respond well to, to um, you know, just being able to talk about mm. my writing and being able to interact with my readers. And so knowing where to look at that time was not very popular. And so I think I just started updating own path more and for and knowing where to look got deserted. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, when I went to, to, I went to that school and I was busy. And I, you know, was just had more things going on and then I was starting a new career. And in the end I stopped writing for a really long time. I actually stopped writing for ten years and left both of those stories completely abandoned, which I now feel really guilty about. <laughs> oh so, um, Yeah, so that's the main reasons are totally kind of different, different kind of styles. It's just they were just kind of you know, not really related. By contrast, my, my one-shot series that I'm, I do still update, um, you know, alongside Knowing Where to Look Now, is they're a little bit more of the same world. They're both both canon compliant, it's just mainly I, I update those when I'm like, okay, I'm in this one character's head too much, and I'm getting bored of him, and I need to write someone else or I need to write something a little bit different, um, then I take a break mm. from it and write something else.
0: <laughs> I think I think that's very fair enough. That's honestly why I write my own series, uh, Roar, which is kind of character-based as well. as like when I want to get out of castles, uh, so I definitely understand that. I was And so, do you think how about your experience writing both and your experience, you know, posting them and with, uh, engaging with the fandom and everything? Did you, did you feel like that experience was different writing an AU versus writing something that's canon compliant? Or did you, do you think your experience writing them and posting them is pretty much the same?
1: Yeah, it was very different. But it's hard for me to comment mm. on what the cause of that difference was. And I think, the reason is I did write it over a long period of time so I was writing on two different websites so initially I was on fanfiction.net and now I'm on IO3 more though I do cross post Mm -hmm. so you know sometimes when I'm looking at the difference between two stories I'm like is this because I'm on a different site or is this because times have changed the way people interact on the internet has changed Mm. I I could complain a lot about the like button and how I feel like it's destroying our society because I just feel like people just read and hit kudos and move (laughs) on nowadays Whereas before, people would kind of spend a little bit more time thinking about things and, and commenting on things. Mm. And I'm very blessed with amazing readers on Knowing Where to Look, where they just will sit and write their little essays to me. And I, I love them so much. They're so so motivating and so wonderful. But I do feel like engagement has changed from what the- when I first started writing, just the style of it has has changed. And, you know, I do think my audience is different between my AU story and my, mm. my kind of compliance stories. I, I, I do. I don't. Maybe I'm totally off base on this, but I get the impression in, in engaging with readers that my canon of compliance stories might be a little bit of an older audience. Um, they might be more people like me who grew up with Harry right. and were like, you know, reading books repeatedly and thus know them really well. Whereas maybe the younger generation, you know, read them a few times and, 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 you know, not necessarily as obsessively as those of us who were like waiting for the next book. I guess I'm going to read the last three books. I do kind of get the impression that my, my audience is different. Um, and I do kind of, um, think that maybe I, I do try to take that into account when I'm writing. I, I think I am writing more for an older audience who's knowing where to look and I'm writing for for us old people who who do have that kind of different history.
0: Yeah, for for what it's worth and and we can kind of speculate about this and this is completely me going off a tangent, but I think our audiences are very similar. Mm-hmm. I think we overlap a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think my audience and the podcast the, uh, the podcast audience also overlaps a lot, obviously cuz like it's, you know, they they know me through that. And I know that on the podcast the biggest age range that we have, the most popular age range is I think 28 to 34. And then the second one is the one after that. So 35 to Mm -hmm. 40, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about like whoever is writing is reading an AU and maybe that's not the case, but I definitely think my audience and perhaps your audience is older than the average age that uh, people would have when they're reading fake online, which I think is interesting.
1: Yeah, totally my theory as well. I've never obviously, like told my my readers to find out how old they are but I do find myself very curious about it because I, I just kind of get that impression from the way people write and things like that
0: <laughs> yeah I mean we just get that those stats through like the podcast stats so that's kind of what I but yeah I was I it was it was kind of interesting mm-hmm. to be honest um so I guess I wanted to talk about your OCs because they are amazing. And we did an episode on OCs in the very early days of the podcast, like a few months ago. But I wanted to see what's your approach to them, what interest do you have in them, and why are you kind of drawn to that? Because I know that like it's not only in knowing where to look, it's also your other series. A lot of a lot of that series in terms of Left Behind is about exploring certain characters mm-hmm. as well which might not have been the point of view of canon so I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that a little bit and kind of like your view on OCs and why you love them so much
1: yeah I, I would love to talk about that I could talk about OCs all day <laughs> I've been excited to talk to you because I, I feel like we haven't really talked about OCs that much together and and I know you're another you're another appreciator mm. of, of OCs and there's not very many of us out there I feel like especially the Harry Potter fandom I don't know if it's true in all fandom but there's a lot of stigma against OCs. A lot of people don't like them. People actively filter them out of their searches when they're on AOS 3. And I find it so sad because they're missing out on some amazing stories because they can be done so well. And, and I think, you know, maybe they also can be even poorly, um, like anything. But it's one of those things that I think sometimes people will read one and it doesn't appeal to them and they never get the chance again. And, and I find that so sad but I don't know I, I guess I like the unlikely heroes I like the person that no one thinks twice about and I like you know building building characterization I and mean, it's the main thing that drives me is is characterization I like people people are interesting so it's kind of me just studying humanity and plot always comes second for me I'm always just like oh I guess I need to do something <laughs> with these characters they can't just exist in my head with no, no purpose um but yeah, I, I just really think it's, it's a fascinating and underexplored world that, you know, obviously there's other people in, in mm-hmm. whatever fandom, whatever world you, you are. Um, writing and there's other people that are not going to be explored in canon and i think that it takes you to different places different settings it takes you to different perspectives how one person experiences something is not how another person experiences it and it just gives you so much freedom and and i, I yeah i wish more people saw the beauty in it
0: yeah i i definitely agree and i think it's a bit complicated because you're kind of like okay if you don't have ocs like at the end of the day if you're going to write a long fic it, one shot is different but if you're gonna to write a long fic and you don't have anyone that's from the outside like you don't create anyone your world is going to dry up you know you just need people even if it's not from the point of view perspective and if even if you don't go that route <laughs> you still need to create people and those people will need to have some sort of importance in the story. My experience with OCs and people is a lot of readers in fanfiction, you hear a lot of, I hate OCs, they're just self-inserts, etc, etc. But when you actually do it in a (laughs) fic that people want to read and are reading for other reasons, you know, for the plot or whatever, they actually like to engage with OCs. I I think people like OCs, it's just that they don't like it when it's shoved down their throat without really making it work but I think once when you've got a writer who's able to make it work most people actually don't mind them at least that's my experience but I think what you do specifically and what I think is amazing is that you know you've got this really long post-war fic that you're going to tell from Entirely an enti- an outside perspective, and I think that's so cool. Like you're you're going into your character's head, who is mentioned in the books, but you know he doesn't have a personality, he doesn't have a background, he doesn't have anything, and you're seeing the whole story from his perspective, which I don't think many people do, to be honest. And so I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that choice a little bit and that kind of point of view choice as well, which I think is very brave in my opinion mm-hmm. in terms of writing fan fiction, you know?
1: Yeah. One of my favorite comments that I'll get from writers, I love getting these comments. It's it's really quite common that I get this, which is, I didn't think I was going to like your story because of the perspective. And then I did. And it's so wonderful to me. I love when people say that because everyone comes in going, this is weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, winning people over. I gotta, gotta love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Knowing Where to Look for those who haven't read it it's um written entirely from the perspective of green robots the the um, head of the order office and he is mentioned in half-blood prince very briefly he's just he's given a name and a, and a profession and that's all we know about him and you know when i was first sitting down to write the story i, I mean I, I don't know why he fascinated me in particular. I think I was just looking for someone that was, no one would have any opinions about. I wanted someone that was completely just a clean slate. And I wanted someone that no one would particularly, um, think twice about. But, um, you know, I was looking at how we were building the ministry after the war. I wanted a little bit of politics in there. And so I think he just kind of came up as, well, Harry, you know, is supposedly going to become an or, and so he's going to get to know this person eventually. So he just became like, you know, this seems like someone I can I could work with. I just enjoy the idea of a uh, outsider's perspective. I don't think they're very common and especially not when I was first writing this story, I don't think they were. Why as a like 20 19 20 year old kid, I am um, I thought it was a good idea to to write from the perspective of a middle-aged man. I'm not sure what I was thinking. Um, because you of course I'm not going to really relate to him in a lot of ways, but um, one of my main goals was just to make him relatable. So even even people who or not, you know, 46 year old men can, can kind of be like, Oh, yeah, I, I can see myself in him, um, which is unexpected, and I liked playing that. He's definitely been living in my head for so long, and I just feel like I know him so well, you know, mm-hmm. just because I did have this like 10 year hiatus in the story, um, you know, he was still there, I was still mm-hmm. thinking about him, um, and I had just had the benefit of a lot of time to kind of come up with his character, but he definitely was a unique character it for me and that I kinda of, kind of started him in a very different way in that like I normally would create the character first and then throw them into the plot and see what happens, but with him I didn't really have the luxury of doing that because he is mm. the point of view character. He is right at the center of the plot. I hesitate in saying he's the protagonist because I don't think he thinks he's the protagonist. I think Harry's is kind of the protagonist, but um, he's definitely kind of right there in the middle of everything. And so his character was going to be more driven by the plot and what I needed to him to do. So that was a very different approach for me. I felt like it was, I kind of had to completely rewrite the way that I write characters Characters with him normally, you know, for example, there's another OC at Edward Bones in my story, and, and his character came about as, like, hey, I need ministry workers. I just need people. Um, like you said, like, sometimes you just need people. And his character came about because I was like, well, I'm kind of curious about the Bones family. We hear about them, but we don't actually get to see them very much and and this guy interested me he's susan Bones' father and the reason he interested me was well obviously his brother and his um, brother's family were all murdered in the first war his sister was murdered in the second war like clearly a very central family and yet we never hear about susan's parents um so i kind of just got curious i was like well maybe he was just like screw this i'm out because he saw what came of all his family and didn't want anything to do with it and then you know, I started thinking. Well, maybe he'd be really angry because you know now his his daughter is going down the road of of his brother and sister, and he saw what that got them. Mm. Maybe that would make him upset. Uh, maybe he'd be angry at Harry for bringing a war into a school with children, which is fair. I think that's very fair. Um, so normally, that's kind of more my thought approach: is like let's let's take this character, build him up in my head, and then let's put him in the plot and see what happens. And with him, you know, it was like, well, okay, he's already. Mm. Turned Terrified of loss. He's already terrified of, um, you know, losing his family and already doesn't want anything to do with this. Well, let's see what happens if we shove him in it and make him suffer loss again. And guess what? He gets really angry and starts blaming everybody. Um, So... That's a more normal way that I would approach a character. But with Dwayne, I really had to kind of change that because he's so central. And so with him, I had to think more in the lines of, okay, what is the theme of the story? This is Harry suffering from the war, and he is recovering or trying to very badly. He is grieving. He's in a really bad place. This is a story about mental health and the lack of support and the lack of recognition and how easily people can be suffering and not showing it. And, um, trying to, trying to be brave and put it, and put on a brave front and not, not let people know that they're suffering. Um, that's really the theme of this story. And so what I had to do with Lorraine is rather than create his character and put him in there, I had to be, okay, what does Harry need right now? Because I knew this was a story about. Harry getting some support and kind of recovering, and that was just a different approach. So, you know, I I have Harry who's seeing people who love him get killed, and so I think maybe he's a little bit afraid of being loved anymore. And mm. so I needed someone who wouldn't love Harry, at, at least at first. I needed someone who was was impartial, who maybe thought, "Eh, that's just a seventeen-year-old kid. I don't really care what he does." Curious about Harry because he's Harry Potter, but still just separate. I needed someone who was going to be very good at being discreet and keeping confidence and not gossiping because Harry does not want to be talked about behind his back, and let's be honest, Ron and Hermione do that, and he hates it. Um, So I wanted someone who was just going to be a little bit more, well, that's not really my business. I needed someone observant Mm. just because it's written from a very restrictive point of view. So to get a story across and get you to understand what's going on Mm. inside Harry's head when we're not inside Harry's head is going to be a challenge so you know he needed to be a very observant person and see through the mask that Harry's putting on
0: yeah I think that works with his with his profession as well because obviously Mm -hmm. as you know as an or you Mm -hmm. you have to be observant like that's the kind of that's the trade and so I think I think you do that beautifully of like you know having his qualities and those traits those character traits also reflect in his profession you know and and that makes it makes sense within the world of his character Mm -hmm. and i think what i'm very admirative of is also the way you know because it's a restricted point of view and you're still getting a story across and you're still talking about all these characters who we know and love from the books and we know we've done an Epsilon point of view a few weeks ago, and we know that it, it is, it can be very hard not to head hop and not to try and go into somebody else's mind in a conversation because, as a writer, you can do that. And that's, you know, that's kind of the luxury that we have as a writer instead of, you know, in real life. And so mm-hmm. I love how you're able to do that. That must, that is so hard. I just want to send you like all the appreciation that I have because it is, it is such a hard feat th- to accomplish of telling this story from the point the restricted point of view of someone else is just. I it, am it, in awe, to be honest.
1: You know, I have an advantage, though, because I'm trusting that my reader knows Harry. And and so, like, at yeah. first, I get people being like, weird, Harry's acting acting very out of character here. Like, this isn't right. He's Why is he, re- like, removing himself from on and Hermione and Luise's? Like, mm-hmm. why is he not a girl? Why is he not a Hogwarts? Like, people are confused by that at first. And that's good. I want you to be confused by it. Um, because I want you to be like, wait, something's not quite right. Like, he's not yeah. quite acting quite acting the way we know Harry to act and you know definitely it's I think the fact that people know Harry so well after seven books is is in my favor because you you start to catch things and so even when Gawain doesn't understand something like he just saw the weird look between Harry and Ginny and knows that there's some history there but he doesn't really know what um we the reader know what that history is at least somewhat. Um, so it's mm. definitely I'm I'm taking advantage of that um, and taking advantage of, of the fact that, that people do kind of understand Harry at least on some level even if they don't understand my Harry as, as yeah. fully. But yeah, definitely so hard. I mean, sometimes I'm like, how many conversations can I can I get Wayne to overhear without it being like so super ridiculous? <laughs>
0: Well, he is an or, so that's a he, he can do that. Like that's within his character trait. But, but yeah, I think like I, I just I think it's very interesting the way you do that, and it it kind of relates to something that I've told some people um I know who were, like you know in better like when I was better whatever it's like you need to take advantage of canon not rewrite Mm -hmm. canon and I think that's something that you do very well as you said Of you know we know what the story is we know what Harry did we know what, what how Ginny fits into that we know how Ron and Hermione fit into that as well we know their perspectives and what you do very well is that you never rewrite what we know because when you're rewriting canon then you're boring your reader with information that they are Know, and I think that's such a hard line to hover over, especially if you're writing from an outside perspective.
1: I, I feel some relief to hear you say that because sometimes I'm self conscious about something, or you know, I'll have a point where I'm like, okay, we know this about Harry, but the character doesn't, and I need the characters to know it. And I do have to have Harry mm-hmm. kind of tell a story or something to make that happen, and I always worry it's going to be boring, because it is, like, it's canon, we you know? But I do feel like if you can put a twist on it, you can put it from a different perspective, you can show Harry just kind of brushing off yeah. things that should be really traumatizing. You know, you're you're saying something else at the same time, yeah. um, but it, it is a really hard thing to do, and sometimes I do, I do get anxious about that. (laughs) That's...
0: no that's fair enough and so I was wondering your fix especially knowing where to look is getting rather popular um I have I have seen that it has surpassed castles in kudos I was like ugh um, no I'm joking um I, I don't mind um I don't care I don't, well I do care okay no that's not true I care of course I care if people like my story but I'm not someone who's particularly competitive but I did see that the other day and I was like oh she's got more kudos than me um um, but what I was wondering is, you know, they're getting more popular and I know you, you've talked before about like promoting your work and kind of your relationship with your, your audience. And obviously I'm sure, you know, you're getting a lot of messages, things like that, comments. Um, what's your kind of take on that, take on promotion and kind of your relationship with your audience in general as the thick kind of grows and gains in popularity?
1: Yeah, um, this is a really good question and one that like when i when i say yes i do some self promotion I, I feel my insides just kind of clench into the shame like this is such a bad thing there's stigma against self promotion it's uh, it's arrogant and i hate that that's my gut reaction i hate that that's how i feel about it because i honestly don't think there's shame in self promotion what i'm doing right now talking to you, let's be honest it's kind of self promotion right um so like there is mm. there and there's parts of our life where it's it's acceptable to self promote and parts of our life where it's not and there's this weird double standard, and I started self-promotion a little bit, and just kind of dabbling in it on Reddit, and the reason I did is, so I was writing on fanfiction.net for years and years, obviously, and then, and then I kind of had a, a name there, um, and I started, when I came back after 10 years, the internet had changed. Fanfiction.net is a disaster zone as we all know and so um and that's when I joined AO3 so that was really only a little over a year ago and I was kind of yeah. just a nobody on AO3 no one no one had really read my things or recognized my my username or and I'm writing this story that I mean honestly let's be real most people don't think they're gonna like knowing the word and I'm lucky that there are people who give it a shot but at first glance it doesn't look that appealing to most of the people <laughs> Um, Well, it appealed to me. (laughs)
0: Okay,
1: I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, because it's, you know, canon compliant, it's gen, it's OC-centric, like those are just a lot of things that a lot of people don't particularly like sometimes. So when I started writing on AO3, I was really excited. I finally, you know, had an AO3 um, account and was like, let's do this. And I posted the first chapter and nothing, just no engagement at all. And, you know, I kind of kept posting every couple of weeks and just nothing like I just wasn't getting anybody really interacting with me or leaving comments. It was very, very um, sparse as far as any kind of interaction. And for me, engagement is a huge uh, motivator to my writing. It's hard for me to write if I feel like no one's listening. And I know, you know, everyone says, right, for yourself. And, and yes, that's a wonderful thing to, to live by. But there, there is some reality that some of us need a little bit more. Some of us do need to have some some comfort that mm. this is you know being heard and it's not pointless and and um, you know the reminder that that we're not horrible because <laughs> that's where my brain goes is oh crap this is horrible this is not a good story I'm not a good yeah. writer so I did just kind of start thinking about it and it's like okay is this just not an interesting premise to pe- people or is it that you know it's just. Isn't out there, you know, nobody knows about it and nobody um, uh, is really clicking. So I did start kind of going onto Reddit and I started looking at like, okay, people have this, you know, looking for whatever, Harry dealing with trauma. And I'm like, great, that's that's my fake. I'm gonna recommend it. And you know, guess what? I got downvoted a lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was just the stigma against self-promotion. So my immediate reaction was, oh my gosh, they clicked on it, they hated it, they downvoted me. Um but then I started to realize like realistically, those people were not reading my story. They're just they're just downvoting anyone with self-promotion. <laughs> um, so um nowadays I, I luckily if I do have have any kind of um, self-promotion. I've got my little royal gaggle of predators that that vote uh, me and I think just enough to counteract down votes but at first it was really demoralizing but yeah I just um, you know it was very very difficult you know just kind of feeling like I was breaking into a fandom like a newbie um, because I had not gone so long and yeah I just I really kind of need that engagement to to get me get me encouraged to write the next chapter and that's mm-hmm. important to me and and I don't think that's, that's something that anyone should be ashamed of if you if you need engagement if you need to to talk to people about your story then then by all means you should do that because if that's what's getting you right do it and and you know what if you've got it, flaunt it. Um, you know you, what what you do is amazing. And not everyone can write. Not everyone can have the guts to post it online. Whether self promotion really helped significantly, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe I gained another reader here and there from one of those posts. But um, I, you know, I got occasional ones where it was like, oh yeah. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you have to do it. And I don't think it's something that like, it's hard to say if I would have gotten the same Mm -hmm. number of readers without doing that um, just by time and and more exposure um, and quite possibly so.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's very interesting. I personally, I don't self promote partly. Well, mostly because I always say this, but I always bring it back to this, but it's true. Because I was coming from such small fandoms, like I got into fan fiction when I was like 13 teenager. But I got into the Potter fan fiction. At the tender age of 27 And so basically because my Experience was always with very small Fandoms and thus Very limited engagement because Just by the sheer numbers of the a Small fandom like if there's only 20 People in the fandom you're only going to have like 10 kudos and that's already very good And so I guess at the beginning when I Was posting castles I, I remember Getting like 50 kudos or something after A couple of posts and being like What is going on I remember that freaked me <laughs> out like I was like oh my god this is too much like this is weird and getting comments and stuff and so I think for me I didn't really see the need to self promote because just by getting people off the front page Mm -hmm. that was already which is not very many people but just by getting that that was enough to like kind of satisfy me and now the fic personally I think Castles has gotten to a point where I am more than comfortable if it stays like this and I know this is I know this is coming off as incredibly entitled, and I don't mean to come off as entitled, but at the moment, Castles has like 17,000 hits or something, and I'm more than happy with that. I would, I, I do not need this fic to get bigger. And I know certain people are struggling with getting engagement and needing to self promote and needing to, and wanting more engagement, then that's great. But for me personally, as a writer, I am more than happy with what I have at the moment. Yeah. I know that feeling. And so that's kind of the reason why I wouldn't self promote now, as well as a part of me feels a bit icky about promoting castles because of the trigger warnings and the fic, the theme of the fic in general, which I think sometimes I'm kind of like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's something that I should be promoting. But regardless, I don't think it needs promotion at this stage, if you know what I mean. Yeah,
1: totally know that. I mean, it does get overwhelming. I think I've kind of got myself into this weird hole now where it's one thing i just have comments to respond to on ao 3 but i got myself into this point where some people are reaching out to me through tumblr and some people are reaching out to me through reddit and some people are reaching out to me through fanfiction.net and it gets overwhelming when you post a chapter and all of a sudden there's like all of this like interaction coming at you from different directions and yeah it's it does get get to be a little bit much sometimes also, you know, just you talk about kudos and hits and things. And honestly, I didn't pay attention to that. So I may have been getting kudos and hits um, when I felt like no one was there reading. And I just didn't realize how much the Internet had changed because to me, all I care about are comments. That's all I really pay much attention to. I am appreciative when I get that morning email that says you've got kudos. Like I, I do appreciate them but I don't, like, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many kudos I have. I just don't pay attention to that. I just, I like talking about my work, and I like talking about the, the thought that I put into it, and I love when someone points out something that I didn't think anyone was going to pick up on, or, you know, those are the things that are really exciting to me. So I think that partially was me just changing, well, I'm, I'm old people. I don't know, like, there, you know, when I was coming from fanfiction.net several years ago, and and that story, the lonely path, like I said, was moderately popular there, and I think it has like 1,500 um, 1500 reviews and I just kind of thought that was normal. And then I came onto AO3 and started posting this newer story and and to have no one to talk to about it was
0: really lonely. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. I definitely get that. And you touched briefly on this, but I wanted to kind of ask you about it is obviously the fic is Jen. It's, you know, you write Jen and... I'm very interested in your perspective on the way we put forward shippy content in the community and in fandom in general versus gen fics which are sometimes kind of disregarded um I think this is bad but you know like, this is my opinion um but you know kind of disregarded and kind of overlooked uh because it's gen and you know so many people are so are just interested in shippy content and I was wondering what your opinion about that is and what your experience is especially writing a fic that is this much gen because I think for me personally castles is what I call a shippy gen Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like it has a little bit of shippy content but I don't think it's the point of the story but obviously your story is very much like almost entirely gen and so I was wondering what what's your kind of point of view on that my
1: point of view is that it's kind of sad
0: yeah (laughs) um I mean you look
1: at the different kinds of of novels out there, and and there's so many different genres, and romance is this tiny little fraction of, of this huge you know number of of different um, different books out there, and and yet when you look at fan fiction, absolutely romance is just like the primary thing that you're going to see as you start going through, and and whenever you're writing a story, everyone's like, what are your ships <laughs> Like um, mm. I don't really have them. Um, I just have never <laughs> been a shipper. Um, and there's so many different kinds of relationships out there. And there's parental relationships. There's sibling relationships. I like exploring those and and i don't really focus on on relationships i do have relationships in my story and that it is a normal part of life and i like writing normal people who are relatable and i like writing people that that um just have normal adult problems and and you know i think i was joking to you where i feel like i need my own genre that's my own tag that's like (laughs) adults no not like that not in a sexy way. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like writing for those things. And, you know, I don't know. I, I write them knowing that, you know, probably there's a lot of people who aren't so interested in that. And I'm okay with that. And there is no shortage of, of shippy content out there. So if you're looking mm. for shippy content, by all means go. Yes, I think that the heart, my, my story does have that pinny ship, but it is very like, you know, it's a goal, but not Part of the story, if that makes sense. Like the goal is to get Harry healthy enough to be interested in a relationship, and that again, when he's not right now. So I think it's just a different, different priority yeah. um, for me. And no shade to those that are wanting to read more romance or smut mm. or anything like that. Um, by all means, that's that's all you. And absolutely, it's I'm probably just not your writer.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I think I I think now. The people, at least in, for, for my audience, the people who are very much into the romance aspect of castles have dropped off now (laughs) because they figured out that this is not what this story is about. Although, I think. To be honest, because Castles is told from Harry's perspective, there is yep. a lot more Ginny interaction than there would be in knowing where to look just because of the POV. So I think, you know, it is, it, it's what I say, it's a shippy gen. It's not entirely gen, but it's definitely not like the my primary focus and I think again we are writing about the same thing which is you know the post-war world and kind of Harry getting better and overcoming all that I think I don't know if you're familiar with it but I know that JK Rowling gave an interview once where she said I can't remember what her exact words were but she said that probably the hardest thing is what happens between the end of the war and the 19 years later kind of thing and I've always been fascinated by that Mm -hmm. quote and by what all ends well means really like what does that mean what does that mean for them what does that mean for people who've gone through that kind of thing and so yeah I think for me that's the that's the point of castles and that's the point of Ginny soaring castles as well because she is overcoming her own things and Harry is and Hermione is and everyone is and so I think that personally is what I'm interested in writing about and that's why I kind of see castles as Jen even though there is that romance aspect and just like you I think romance or shippiness or whatever is part of life so I think it needs to be there in my opinion um at least in this story but the, it's not everything, do you know what I mean? And I think I think that's kind of what I'm writing about. Yeah, agree right with you. Um, and so there was another thing that I wanted to ask you: is what's your kind of relationship with fan fiction and kind of the stigma around it in real life? And you know, talking about writing fan fiction in real life or things like that. <laughs> uh, what's do you have an opinion about it? Uh, because obviously, there's a lot of stigma. So
1: yeah, and and you know, I think that stigma was a big part of why I didn't get involved. In fanfiction for so long, even though I knew it was there. It's just like it didn't occur to me that it would be interesting to me. It didn't occur to me that that it would be something that I would ever get involved in when when I was younger, with the you know, the age that I was first learning about it. And um, you know, I, I do actually remember, it's surprising that I remember this because I wasn't involved in fanfiction, but I do remember the very first time I ever heard the term fanfiction, and it, it was um J.K. Rowling had been writing one Harry Potter book a year, basically, and then she hit Ori with Phoenix, which understandably took her longer because it's so long and i remember my dad showing me a a newspaper clipping um and he's like hey look at this this girl got tired of waiting for jk rowling to write order of phoenix and just wrote it herself and i remember thinking wow that's so cool like what dedication that must have taken i could never do anything like that like that's so neat that she did that and that was my first reaction to fan fiction and then a few years go by and it starts getting this stigma that's just like um, you know, just so negative and so it's so immature. It's, it's smut. It's just like not something that sounded appealing to me. And then finally I kind of started dipping my feet in the water and realizing that's not all that fan fiction is. Mm. If it actually is really good writing on there and it, it's not all, you know, you know, just a bunch of typos and, and poorly written things. And I started kind of writing myself, but I didn't tell anybody that I wrote for years because of that stigma because it sounded so like every time you if you mentioned it to someone, they immediately think you write smut and they immediately think it's bad, and and you know you can see that that's where their brain goes immediately. Yeah. And so I just I just kept it to myself. It was just something I did very secretly, very in private. And that was years and years. And then it wasn't honestly until I started to re-enter the world of fanfiction after my ten-year hiatus <laughs> that I, I came back in and I was like, you know, what, I'm going to finish um, A Lonely Path because I felt really bad that I literally deserted it like right before the climax. It was like five chapters left. I was so mean. I'm so sorry to anyone who's waiting for it. Um, shockingly, even after 10 years, I still have people waiting for me, <laughs> which is amazing. Um. So I actually went back and wrote that, and I I had this just like huge sense of accomplishment when I finished my first first long fic. I mean, come on, like that takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication, and not everyone can do something like that. And I should be proud of that. And I and and I was, but then I was like, oh, but I can't tell anyone about yeah. it because I've never told them that I write which is so weird. And so I tentatively kind of told my best friend and I'm sure she immediately thought, yeah, you write smart. And I had to be like, no, <laughs> but, um, she was really supportive and I was like, okay. Cool. Um, and then I tentatively told my mom and then my brother. And then, you know, now I talk about it at work. Like, I come back after a few days off and people are like, Hey, did you get some writing in? I'm like, Yes, I did. Um, and guess what? It's now on my resume. Um, I actually write on my resume that I, I am interested or that I, um, have a hobby of creative writing. Because you know what, like it's, it's a big deal. It's a talent that not everybody has. Writing actually is a pretty important thing to to a lot of people in the job force. It, it's not important to my job. I don't write at all in my job. But, um, it's something that a lot of employers are actually really interested in. And, you know, it shows perseverance and self dedication and, and um, yeah, just discipline. And, and so it actually is a, something that we should be more proud of. Um, I'm not saying everyone should go out and immediately tell everyone in their life that they've been writing with, you know, and sharing with their employer, you know, that, that, um, random little piece on the internet that, that of themselves. But, but I wish that the world was more proud of it because it actually is a really cool thing. Um, and if you are kind of in the situation where I am, where you're just like really embarrassed with it, I hope you, you're you not, I hope you can, I hope you can see that it's actually you have
0: talent yeah it's uh, to be honest I'm kind of in that situation I which is bizarre for someone who has a podcast about fan fiction (laughs) um but I guess I don't know it's I think I think I definitely had the stigma and I've tentatively told my mom but I think it was like so I wrote an original short story in 2020 when I was, I was out of a job. And so I had time on my hands, I suppose. And I wrote an original short story and then it got published. And it got to the point where I was like, well, I kind of want to send this to my friends, you know, like this is kind of cool. <laughs> um, but then everyone was like, what do you mean you know how to write? like, <laughs> And and it was this really weird experience where I was, and I should have said something. I should have been like, well, I've been writing fan fiction for, 10, for 15 years at this point, but I haven't. And it's, you know, it is something, it, it is weird because yeah, I do. I actually, and I don't think, you know, not to say that I'm any good at it or that I'm the shit, or whatever. But I think I know how to competently Put words on paper, right. let's say. And, and a number of people who have clicked on my stuff seem to agree with me. So at least there's like a few of us who agree. Um, but I, yeah, and I still, I, I'm still so shy about it and um, it came up in my work um a few months ago because we had like this sort of team building sort of exercise and one of the questions was, what, what what would you do for free like what would you do if you know money wasn't an issue or whatever and I was kind of like well I would just like sit at home and write books like that would be what I would do and people were like but but do you right? and I was like and I, I wanted to be like yeah and my default response now has been I write on the internet mm-hmm. which is the way that I frame it so I don't say anything about it I'm just like I write on the internet and it's weird because at the end of the day as you say like I'm really proud of what I when I finished my first long fic which was a few it was like four years ago now I was so proud of it. I was so happy. And looking back, I think it had some faults, but sure, look, I was happy at the time, but I didn't even say anything to anyone in my life. Um, and I'd been spending, and also it's such a huge time commitment. I think that's one of the things that I look at as well is like, you know, on my weekends, most, a lot of time on my weekends is dedicated to writing. And I, you know, it's like, what did you do this weekend? And I'm like, Ah, uh, not much. Like I just stay at home. Whereas, like I probably, I probably spend twelve hours each day writing. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's 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 weird, and and I find it interesting how even now, even I, I've been writing for like fifteen or sixteen years now, but I still have this thing of, ah, uh, I don't know if I should say or I don't know how much I want to say, and I think part of that is also the fact that I don't want people to read it there is that thing of like as so as because when I told and remember when my story got published I told people I had a story published and the, the first question they had is like can you send me the link and so I'm kind of like if I said I write fan fiction I know a few of my friends would be like can I can you send me the link and I know there's one of my friends one probably my best friend who knows I used to write it but she doesn't know I still write it. And I don't know why I haven't told her. It's like this psychological thing of I'm just shy about it for some reason. Yeah,
1: I totally get that. And I think it's also I'm coming from a perspective where I, I don't write things that people are classically, for good or evil, are are embarrassed by, right? Like, I don't write sex, which would be really hard for my mother to read yeah. that, right, if I did. Um, so, um, you know, I, I it's easy for me to say, like, just be a flaunted get it out there because I I do write Jen and and you know, obviously I still cringe a little bit at some of my earlier writing and like I could have done that a lot better and and it's not, you know, I don't think I'm perfect by any means and I still am nervous when someone I actually know in the real world reads my work. And but but honestly everyone has been so supportive when I did kind of come out of the closet, if you will, um, on, on on my writing and you know once people get over that initial like whoa um, like it really was something that was kind of freeing to me because i had been carrying that secret not really realizing that it was weighing on me for a long time where I was answering the same way you were I was saying like you know, like, uh, oh, I didn't really do anything this weekend. When um, obviously I did. Um, and and it was something that was actually causing me stress to be quiet about it and shame and, you know, having that shame. Um, and so, like, it was very freeing for me to, to open up about it. I'm not saying everyone in the world should. Yeah. But I do think that maybe the stigma would be a lot less if we did, you know, if we were more honest about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think... I, that's kind of why I'm like, no, but this is very inspiring. Every time I'm like, every time I meet someone or I know someone who talks about their fanfic in real life, I'm like, you should. Like, come on, you're almost 30, now you're an adult. <laughs> like, get over yourself. And um, that honestly,
1: it is, I think, age too. I mean, self confidence comes as you get older. I mean, I, I wouldn't have talked about it when I was 20. Like, you know even if, if that wasn't you know the situation of the stigma like I, I probably would have been more embarrassed by it but yeah as you get older you stop caring so much about what other people think of you so that I, I, I wish that for everybody yeah
0: 100% <laughs> same um, and if you're inspired by Al Baguette's coming out story about her writing uh, please please let us know because I want all the stories as well um, so just before we wrap up so we did get a question in our inbox for the both of us about our writing and I just wanted to so I'm going to ask it and I think I'm going to respond first and then you can tell, uh, tell us what you think. Um, so Tarangla4 actually asked I would like each uh, each of you to state a specific th- thing that you appreciate about the others' writing, a scene gr- that grabs you, perhaps, or a memorable line, or a bit of character insight. For me personally, I think I've already kind of to- touched on it in the past hour or so. But it's I love that we think we are writing this. Like I love knowing where to look because for me, it's a different perspective on the way I view the post-war world and. It's, we're writing about the same things, but we're writing about them differently. And I think that to me is what draws me to the story is the way that to me, this world is so is so big, and there's so much to explore. And I love the way you do that. And i I love I love the way you kind of see that world. But also, I think we're kind of preoccupied by the same things. You know, where we there's a little bit of politics in both of our stories. There's a lot of like world rebuilding. There's mental health. There's all of these things. And I think for me, that's what kind of draws me with it. I write because I don't find the concept. That I want to read, <laughs> you know. A lot of the times I'll be like, I want to read that thick and it doesn't exist, so I'm gonna write it. And to be honest, had knowing where to look existed prior to me writing castles, or had I known mm-hmm. it existed, because at the time I, I wasn't familiar with it, I don't know that I would have written castles. I w- might have been like, Oh, I'm kind of satisfied with the way that uh, that they explored it, but now. Now looking at that and looking at that dynamic, I really, really love the story and I, and I love the way you're, you're writing that world. I remember. The moment where I decided oh this is this is the story I'm into and this is going to sound super weird but you have a I think it's like chapter 2 or chapter 3 of Knowing where you have um Harry kind of make a deposition on what happened in A Defty Hallows and you know talking to the world about what happened and and everything that went on and there's a very specific moment where he asks I think he asks Kingsley for an immunity agreement and the immunity agreement also happens in Castles, and it's such a major plot point. Like, for me, it turned out to be a very major plot point because basically the ministry offers it in Castles, uh, for anyone who's not read it, the ministry offers it to Harry, but it's kind of in exchange of him testifying, and he doesn't want to, testif- to testify, and so he refuses to sign it, and that kind of pro- propose like a whole plot You know the consequences of his actions In Deathly Hallows So that's kind of a different take on it mm. But I was like oh so she thought of the same thing like I was like this is someone whose brain works the same way <laughs> and, and I was like she thought of the immunity agreement and she went into you went into a different direction and I think in fairness I think both directions are very mm-hmm. valid I I struggled a lot with whether or not I wanted Harry to talk mm-hmm two people versus him kind of withdrawing and keeping that stuff to himself. Um, I went the other way, but I was like, ooh, she knows. Like she, she, she thinks the same way I do. So that was something that grabbed me. And obviously also, as I said before, I really love the perspective. I love the POV. I love what you make with it. And I think it's so interesting and so unique in the world of fan fiction. So those are kind of the two things that I really like about, especially knowing
1: that's so sweet I, I I love that that's something that you pulled out of it Because I, I really think it's funny How we, we do dance around the same themes With very different plots But we are dancing around the same ideas yeah. And That's so interesting to me. And for what it's worth, I'm, I'm glad you didn't know what knowing where to look existed right at first because the world is better with castles in it. So (laughs) glad you're writing it. But, but this, this question, um, from Tronga, I have to say, um, is, is just such a good example of why I love fandom and, and how sweet and supportive everybody is. It's just so heartwarming. It's such a wonderful question. (laughs) Um, but it does I bring me to the really shameful admission that I have to have, which is that I don't read fan fiction. <laughs> I write it, and it surprises people, and that I don't really read it. I, I read yeah. very, very little. I think I've read more in the past couple months um, through the Discord server, um, where I'm just trying to like support support people because what they do is awesome, and I'm proud of them. Um but I don't actually spend time on my own reading fanfiction, so I have not read Castles. Um, no offense at all. I know, I know.
0: That's that's totally fine. I do not (laughs) do not care. Um
1: Um, but I have read some of your your like smaller pieces and and, um things that you've shared through Discord and and I, I love I mean, and also just in ch- talking with you, I love that you challenge me and in, in thinking. You know, you have this reaction that is so cool and so admirable in life, where someone says you shouldn't do something, and you're like, "Well, watch me!" And I love that. That's so cool. That's so fearless, and and you get to just just play with things. So when someone says you can't read a whole story in future tense, and then you go and do it, that's amazing. <laughs> And and um so you know, your self-confidence in and things like that, it it shows in such a different way and, and, and so unique and your writing style is just so unlike other things. I mean, I think I have a little more traditional writing style and I love that yours just is like, whoa, this is so different. And um even though we're writing about the same things, that we can have like such completely um different ways of conveying that is is
0: awesome. Uh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. Um and to be honest with you, like, I do read fan fiction. Obviously, I read your fan fiction, but... I don't read a lot. I think most people uh, who I interact with seem to read a lot more than I do. I'll read maybe one or two fic per month, you know? Like, I'll mm-hmm. I'll have those nights where I'll be on my phone and I can't sleep and I'll be like, oh, let me see what I can find and what I can read online. But to be honest, I think I don't write... I don't read a lot of fan fiction and I feel like I don't read as much as I should. <laughs> I probably, I probably should be reading more because whenever I do find something that I really really love uh, it's amazing like fan fiction that speaks to you on a deeper level is just absolutely amazing but it's so I think weirdly enough I used to read more in when I was in smaller fandoms because that's overwhelming well yeah that's the thing it's a lot less overwhelming it's a lot easier to find stuff and you just Uh you're just like I remember when I was on The Good Wife for instance I was younger in fairness but I would maybe every two days or something, I would just refresh fanfiction.net at the time and read whatever was on the front page. And that was enough because mm-hmm. there yeah. wasn't that much thing, yeah. that many things being posted. So that was completely man- manageable. It was something that could you could do. Mm-hmm. And so... I used to read a lot more in that way, whereas with Potter you have to filter everything. You have to you have to look into things. You have to, you know, try and find actually things that you enjoy. And I think as you get older your tastes become more and more particular as well. And yeah, like now it's I, I do read, but I feel like I don't read as much as I should and as much as I as a, as much as I would like to um if the world were you know, if I was a, if I was a little bit better at it.
1: <laughs> Well, there's only so many hours in the day. At the, at the end of sure. the point, like you have to prioritize, and you know, I think it surprises people that I don't read much. I don't read much for a couple reasons. One, I, I'm a busy person. I work full time job. I, you know, have a family. I, I do other things, and you know, I want to try to write and get things to you in a relatively timely manner. Um, and when I do have time that I want to read. Honestly, I like reading original fiction. So I mostly uh, gravitate towards original fiction when I have time to read. um, And Mm. I like, I like, yeah, I just, I enjoy reading novels and and, um, fan fiction. I just don't have as much time as I want to, to devote to reading it. I also don't read because I don't like messing up with my own headcanons. Um, So for example, if I was reading Castles, and I saw your take on the immunity. Like maybe I would have completely changed gears and I don't want that. Like I want to make sure that what I write is original. It's mine from my own thoughts. You know, I don't want to write characters the way everyone else writes them. Yeah. I, I don't like, you know, things that, for example, Daphne Greengrass, who has this like whole persona in a fandom that, that everybody seems to want to write her exactly the same way and I'm like why? She's just a name. You could take her any way you want. Um So I don't like my headcanons being skewed by other people's because I'm too susceptible to that. Um So I intentionally don't read anything that's kind of the same genre or the same time period that I'm writing in actively because of that. But also just, yeah, I mean at the end of the day, we have so many hours in the day I feel a little guilty because some amazing writer has just kudos my work and I'm like, wow I know that person's awesome and I, I should go and do different the and read some of their work too but at the end of the day I, I don't very much
0: <laughs> yeah no I think I think that's fair enough and to be honest I'm astounded by your productivity as well you you could turn out these because again again another similarity our chapter lengths are about the same about 10,000 words but you're so much more productive than me um so kudos to you for that because I'm like I struggle to get a chapter out every like four months or something
1: <laughs> so you make me feel better because yeah i mean i'll remind you that this story has been in the work for what 13 years um, true, so,
0: true true yeah, no, that's i think it might be
1: skewed that's um, true. but also let's be real i don't have the life i'm, I'm an introvert <laughs> <laughs>
0: fair enough uh, okay well uh just as we wrap up do you have any recommendations for us anything that you'd like to share with anyone listening i have been doing something kind of new um it's new to me not new um in general but I
1: just recently got a subscription to um online courses master class and they advertise pretty heavily so some people might have heard of this but it's just like little courses where they take you know a, a an expert or honestly a celebrity and just kind of let them teach a course on something and it's anything under the, under the sun that you can think of they have courses on and I just started dabbling in it and I'm currently listening to Neil Gaiman's. um a little course on creative writing and just kind of enjoying just talking points. And I like that it's kind of just very short. They're like 15 minute little classes. And then there's maybe, I don't know, 15 classes in in the full course, and you can kind of do it on your own time. And it's very low, low stress. and, 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 you know, it's not super interactive, but it's just like oh yeah I never really thought of that so that's what I've been doing lately um and enjoying
0: that's really good to know actually because I've considered some of those and I never I never really signed up because again as you say like my problem is when someone tells me you need to do this or you can't do that then I do the exact opposite just (laughs) because I'm that (laughs) person (laughs) so I'm like I don't know how beneficial those classes would be because I've tried a couple of creative writing classes like um online creative writing classes Mm -hmm. but you know through Uh, Zoom or whatever But they were actually Interacting with people And It never It didn't really work for me It's just I don't think it's my thing But it's nice to know That like those are good Because I think Yeah That that would that that is something that i've been thinking about so maybe i should maybe i should give it a try um for anyone who's listening i'm just going to recommend like everybody else on the planet but i'm just going to recommend the seven husbands uh, uh, of evelyn hugo um i've just mm-hmm. finished it on the plane back home uh, from the us and it is gorgeous and it's great um i didn't particularly like the ending but overall i really like the book and i think uh if you are able you should read it
1: that has been on my reading list so I'm glad to hear it <laughs>
0: yeah no it's very it's very good it's yeah I have opinions about it but I, it's definitely a great mm. it's it was a very entertaining read on the airplane so that's what I can say um, anyway if you so can you tell us where you we can find you online yes I am baguette
1: ala underscore baguette like the bread um, I'm on AO3 and also on tumblr um, very badly if I don't respond to you immediately on tumblr I'm not being I just I just don't go on often enough and I keep missing messages, so <laughs> just so you know.
0: No, that's fair enough. <laughs> I'm I'm always on Tumblr, I live on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> More than Discord to be honest even. Um so yeah, but I think I think I was just on Tumblr in the golden era of like Tumblr Girl in like twenty fourteen or whatever, and since then I've just been on it. Um, so I'm on <laughs> Tumblr, Pebbly Send, um at Pebblescend and on AO3 as well. And you can find the podcast if you have any feedback, suggestions for topic for next episodes. Our ask box is always open. You can find it at the Thank you so much, Albaguette, for coming on. It was lovely to have you. I'm so glad we did this. This was so fun. It's always a pleasure to nerd out with you. Thank you. Bye everyone.